If I only have one wish this Christmas, it would be to hear the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast that votes in every election. Here he is, podcasting for the good of all mankind. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. I am your host, Douglas B. Jones, Medicare expert and bon vivant, and I'm here to help you feel confident about your impending encounter with Medicare. Not everybody has an impending encounter with Medicare, which is why not everybody listens to this podcast. But if you have an encounter coming up, either you're going to turn 65 and they're going to take away your health insurance, or perhaps it's because you have worked over age 65, maybe up to age 70, 75, and your employer plan has been your health insurance up until this point, you may have uh, a pending encounter with Medicare because you're about to retire and leave your employer's plan. So that's the time at which you're going to want to enroll in Medicare Parts A and B, and then talk to some licensed agent about a Medicare supplement. Well, how do you figure all that stuff out? It sounds very complicated. I got to do this and I got to do that. And I have to do it within a period of time or else I'm going to get a penalty, a lifetime late enrollment penalty. And I don't want to have to pay that. Well, your answers are all going to be contained within the Medicare for the lazy man, 2023 book that I urge you to buy and read. Now, you can go to barnesandnoble.com or you can go to amazon.com. You can purchase one of four editions of the Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. Don't forget to put that year into the search window because otherwise you could wind up with an older edition, an out-of-date version of Medicare for the Lazy Man. So if you type in Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023, you're going to find a Kindle version. You're going to find an Audible version that you can listen to. You're going to find the paperback, which is the bulk of our book sales. And you're going to find the highly sought after, the very dear to uh, most people, hardcover, colorful uh, illustrations edition that is just ripe for the plucking at $22. It's going to be uh, the pride and joy of your family. It's going to be shown lovingly to visitors to your home who will be suitably impressed. And um, that would be the crown of the Medicare for the Lazy Man empire. So uh, once you have purchased the book and once you've absorbed some of the knowledge contained within the book, you're going to be as much of a Medicare expert as almost anybody you know. And that is going to allow you to uh, appreciate the fact that your Medicare encounter is going to be the crowning achievement of your uh, maturing life. So buy Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023 and then uh, call me or actually send me an email and let me know that you are ready to enroll in Medicare and proceed with constructing an impervious health insurance uh, protection, like a shield to cover you from unexpectedly high medical uh, expenses. And then I will spring into action to help you accomplish that. 
And another person springing into action today is Randy Carson. He is, uh, the L-tryptophan is coursing through his veins. So instead of springing, it's more like slogging into action. But I'm happy to have him here anyway. Hello, Randy. Hey, Doug. You know, I just I just have to admit to you that the tryptophan is still coursing through my veins. And as people probably have figured out, we are recording this very shortly after Turkey Day. And the tryptophan, how long does the tryptophan take to wear off? About six months? I'm guessing it's longer than you and I have left on the, <laughs> on the planet. Because all I can think about is when we're finished here, I'm going to go take a nap. I, you know... I, I'm responsible for, you know, bringing odd things to the podcast. Uh-huh. I saw something over the over the Turkey Day and, you know, the lead up to Turkey Day, and I've never heard of it. I've never seen it, and boy, I'll never want to see it again. But there's actually a place on the Internet that you can buy Thanksgiving dinner in a can, and wow. it, it's, it's layered. And if yeah. you think of all the things in Thanksgiving, you know, the – the vegetables and the the turkey and the the, the dressing and the, the cranberry sauce and then clear down at the bottom you got the pumpkin pie. It's yep. all in it's all in there. Is it, that it, known it, lovingly as like a C ration? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I don't know what they called it, but boy, when you slide it out, you know how you can read the tree the tree rings, you know, you can yep. you can see the rings on the you know the the different things in the can. Sure. And I'm going, who in the other other than maybe you know, somebody in the military, in the field, that that's, that's what they had. I, I get it. But is there anybody else in the world that would go looking for Thanksgiving dinner in a can? Yes, there, there are other people who would want to find that and would love to find that it's really tasty and good. Those are the housewives of America who are forced into uh, involuntary slavery and servitude every holiday where a meal is the centerpiece of the holiday. I mean, yeah. my wife slaved over her perfectly constructed uh, whipped potatoes, and uh, they were magnificent. They tasted wonderful, but the amount of time she had to invest in that, if she could have bought a can and uh, found all elements of the Thanksgiving meal in one container, she would think she had died and went to heaven. Oh, you know, I get that. You know, I didn't think about that. Uh, long story short is... In the case of every woman that likes to cook, at least the ones that I'm familiar with, they one of their crowning glories is their whipped potatoes. I didn't know that, but I will say that Mary's mother was a master chef uh, of traditional American meals, nothing too esoteric and nothing too experimental. Basically, um, my daughter says that if I... If I, I couldn't have eaten this food that I like in the fifties, and I'm not going to eat it, and that's exactly right. I'm not. I'm not experimental at all. And when I met Mary and her uh, mother, they started inviting me over for like Sunday dinner. She was a magnificent creator of basic American food. It all yeah. tasted fantastic, but it was nothing exotic. And uh, so now, you know, they they every chef you read about or every uh, restaurant you read about has to do a twist on the traditional American dishes that most people enjoy. I don't understand it. I'm not happy about it, but uh, it was, uh, you know, it's something I look in between the esoteric dishes for to find the uh, traditional American 
food, like stuffing. I like stuffing. I don't like giblets in my stuffing. I just like the stuffing part. Right, right. That kind I, of stuff. You know, you and I are so similar. We should have been related, but, and we might be because my, my family goes back into the Joneses too. So anyway. Well, there you go. Long story short is I'm the same way. I don't like anybody to mess with what I like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I want mashed potatoes, I want mashed potatoes. I don't want mashed potatoes with crap in it. I don't want nothing. Stop. I listen I listen to <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts. One of my favorites is the Adam Carolla podcast. And every once in a while, I guess it's maybe every Thanksgiving, maybe every Christmas, they play a recording of a black family in crisis. And what it is, is I, I'm guessing it's a woman, a uh, daughter, a grown daughter who has invited her mother and uh, maybe her father to stay with them over Thanksgiving. And the mother goes into a, a fit of screaming, you know, we love you, but you've just screwed up macaroni and cheese. You have done what I told you not to do. You put all this, and she uses nasty poo-poo words, you put all this stuff into the macaroni and cheese, and then you make us eat it. Well, I told you don't do that. We love you, but we're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to help you clean up. We're going up to bed now, but you think about what you screwed up, the macaroni and cheese. There's no reason for anybody to screw around with macaroni and cheese, and this goes on and on and on. Highly incensed. You go, but you go to bed and you think about what you just did. <laughs> well, that's ex exactly the way it is, and uh, it's a very instructive uh, piece of uh, audio. Uh, you know, it's really it makes you realize why should you mess with stuff? Who wants to experiment with things like that? Yeah, well, macaroni you, and I, cheese is yeah, perfect exactly. as it is. It, it's mac and cheese. That's what it is. It's not yeah. mac and cheese full of other crap. Right. I I like simple meals. You know, and I've probably told you this before, but and this is a true story. A lot of people go, oh, you must be kidding. And I go, no, that, no, this is true. If given a choice between a steak and a damn good hamburger, it's, uh -huh. a, it's a tough decision for me. Yeah, yeah. I can understand that. So Mary, uh, during our marriage, has done three meals, and I don't mind never expanding our, our horizons beyond that when it comes to beef. Uh, she does hamburgers that are excellent. But the thing is, you have to get, I'm, I'm going to put condiments all over it. So my bun is going to turn to mush unless I have a properly uh, you know, designed bun. Yeah. Uh, uh, then she can use the same kind of meat, but add different ingredients to it to make Salisbury steak. And oh, she yeah. Whips she whips up a really nice uh, sauce that goes on top of the Salisbury steak. And then the other meal that we have that is in rotation, especially in the summer when the Weber grill is pumping out uh, charcoal smoke, and that is uh, fillets. If she can find fillets at a decent price and they're from an excellent source, we'll overpay for fillets every time. Again, yeah. that's those are the only three beef meals that we, that we routinely have you yeah. know, that involve yeah. cooking out. You know I'm getting hungry now, don't you, Doug? Well, I'm I'm still in nap phase from my my Thanksgiving <laughs> meal yesterday, but uh, uh, each of us will have our priorities once we finish this. So maybe we should get going on the Medicare. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. So anyway, we need to go ahead and get moving forward. At me as the nominal producer. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm banking for a raise next year. So we need to get moving forward on some Medicare stuff. And I'm going to go ahead and mute myself out and enjoy the show. 
And I'm going to think about that raise that you just mentioned. I am, I'm not sure whether that fits into the budget, but we shall see. So the first item uh, to address today is something from Diane Omdahl. Now, I've used her material a lot in the past. She is a, a very wise Medicare expert based in Wisconsin, and her claim to fame is that you've got to pay her a fee for her to share her wisdom with you because she doesn't sell insurance. I, on the other hand, sell insurance. I sell Medicare supplements and uh, I sell prescription drug plans, Part D prescription drug plans. Uh, and I don't try to charge people a fee for my services. I only collect the uh, commission that the insurance companies are willing to pay if somebody purchases a plan through me. Uh, you know, a plan that I would suggest. So Diane Omdahl is considers herself to be unbiased, and she's more of a researcher uh, or a fee-based um, Medicare advisor than I am. So this article is something she wrote, I think, for um, Forbes. She does a lot of pieces for Forbes. And in this article, she says, Medicare Part D drug plan premiums falling? Question mark. We're skeptical. In several press releases over the last few months, the CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, has touted improvements in Part D prescription drug plans. CMS projected that the average total monthly premium in 2024 would decrease 1.8%. Doesn't sound like much, but if you spread it out over the millions of Medicare uh, recipients, that becomes a fairly significant number. Anyway, premiums uh, stabilization measures would limit the growth of the base beneficiary premium to 6%. So we're getting into the uh, weeds here on the numbers. These announcements were followed by a spate of news releases announcing the 1.8% decrease in Part D premiums, along with reports that the average Part D premium was dropping from 56 and change to 55 and change, $55 a month. But then Part D enrollees started opening their annual notice of changes and were surprised to see their plan premiums were increasing, some by considerably more than 6%. For example, a 2023 premium of $4.50 per month will be $18.60 next year. And another will double to from 28 to 57 so if CMS said premiums would be stable and the average premium was dropping 1.8%, what gives? Since the 2024 update of the Medicare Plan Finder, I have been digging into many of the Inflation Reduction Act changes to determine their impact. Based on those preliminary findings, I decided to review premiums also. I checked on 65 plans in three zip codes, one each in Fort Lauderdale, Los Angeles, and Milwaukee. Here is a quick summary. Six plans, two in each city, will lower their monthly premiums an average of 16.5%. Of note, Fort Lauderdale and Milwaukee each will have one zero-premium drug plan with a 50% per month premium plan in Los Angeles, a savings of almost $10 on the average. That means that 59 plans are increasing their monthly premiums anywhere from 2% to 84%. Ooh. Los Angeles premiums are going up on the average 27%. Contributing to this is a family of three plans. The premiums today range from $4.50 to $69. Come January 1st, they will range from $18 
to $116. And the final uh, uh, list or element in her list is Fort Lauderdale premiums are also increasing on the average 12%, and in Milwaukee, 17%. And Diane Omdahl goes on to say, this was not a scientific study. The purpose was to get an idea of what was happening with premiums. This review focused only on three zip codes, but since that time, I have reviewed plans in many parts of the country, and the findings are the same. Premiums are rising. Back to the headline, the average Part D premiums will decrease 1.8%. How can CMS report that? It all comes down to semantics. How would you like it if all of your facts were based on semantic tricks? A fact sheet discusses CMS's approach and mentions four different premiums. Base beneficiary premiums, the starting point for calculating a plan-specific base, basic Part D premium, uh, the premium stabilization provision in the Inflation Reduction Act caps the growth at 6%. Average basic Part D premiums, a complicated formula used to calculate a plan-specific monthly premium for basic benefits, average supplemental Part D premiums, the premium for a richer benefit provided by some plans, average total Part D premium, the most accurate projection of the likely average of premiums determined by the average basic premium plus the average supplemental premium before subsidies and rebates are considered. Bottom line on all this, maybe I just should have skipped to this part of the article. It is the average total Part D premium that is decreasing from 1.8% or decreasing 1.8% from 56 and change to 55 and change next year. All of these other considerations and calculations come into play when establishing premiums for individual plans. And that is how the 1.8% decrease disappears. So then she says, take a lesson from my friend. Deborah is a prime example of the 70% of people who do not pay attention during open enrollment. She takes one generic medication. Five years ago, she started with the lower premium, the lowest premium available in her area, less than $20 at the time, five years ago. And this is not even, and she has not even looked for anything else during subsequent uh, AEPs annual election periods when you're allowed to change from one plan to the next. She just lived with premium increases every year, believing there was nothing she could do about that. Next year, her premium will be almost $60, and that got her attention. She checked other plans and will enroll in one with a $6 premium. Open enrollment ends December 7th. This is your time to check what's happening. Your plan premium is likely going up, but if you look, you might find something better. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you my experience. Now, Diane Omdahl did a lot of research, and I, I'm i sure that she's crunched her numbers accurately, but I want to say that my uh, findings have been far more optimistic for the people that have to buy prescription drug plans, and that would include me, that would include Randy. Basically, what I've discovered is that one company is staking a claim to a high percentage of all the medical or all the prescription drug plans in the area. They have lowered their rates on one plan to the lowest it's possible to get, zero in many areas of the country. So I have discovered that many, many, many clients that I have, uh, when they when it comes to AEP and they ask me what the best drug plan for their situation is their situation would incur their location 
would include, excuse me, their location, their list of drugs they take, and the drug stores that they like to use. These uh, average uh, plan selected by this process is the uh, well care uh, value script plan at zero dollars per month. Some people live in an area where the the premium is 50 cents per month. And I saw one person, I think in Washington state where uh, the same plan was $3 and 50 cents per month. Wellcare is trying to buy up the marketplace from what I can see. Uh, I had a conversation with one of my clients the other day who said, you know, I take a lot of drugs and I am paying through the nose for a prescription drug plan, but many of my drugs are available with a discount card, and therefore I can't use my drug plan for them. So he said, I want to drop my drug plan. And I said to him, well, you're pretty lucky because you don't really have to drop your drug plan to pay nothing for a plan. Uh, We'll enroll you in the well care um, uh, plan that I just mentioned uh, for 2024, and it'll be free of cost, and you can use your drug discount card and completely avoid the expenditures that you've been saddled with up until now. And uh, so he said, well, how am I going to do that? And I said, well, I'm very busy. (laughs) I can't afford to spend the time to enroll everybody. I'm already way behind because so many people have asked for my assistance. So I told him, here are the ways to enroll yourself. You can either call this telephone number to enroll yourself in the well care. Um, uh, God, what is the name of that plan? I just said it a second ago. Uh, the well care, well, the cheapest well care plan, and they only have three plans. They'll know which one you're talking about. Uh, but you can call 866-859-9084. Or if you want to do it online, here's what I suggest. Uh, the URL is HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash. And then you got your three W's dot wellcare.com slash and the name of your state. So if you're in Indiana, like this particular client is, you're going to go www.wellcare.com forward slash Indiana. And that will lead you to the part of the Wellcare website that will allow you to enroll in their plan without actually having to talk to any of these people. And I got to tell you, that's a good thing because many of their enrollment people that you get when you call them on the phone are English as a third language people, and it's not the easiest conversation to have. So I would suggest doing it online, but if you don't want to do that, then uh, you may call that number, 866-859-9084. And it's the WellCare Value Script plan that you're looking for. So uh, Diane Omdahl did not mention that that WellCare Value Script has become pervasive, but I want you to know that that is the way that you're most likely going to get the cheapest prescription drug plan available, uh, but it without doing a scientific search based on your location, your drugs, and your favorite pharmacies, I cannot promise you that it's going to be the cheapest drug plan for you. Its premium will be low, but you may have higher drug co-pays if you go to your pharmacy uh, with that new plan. That well care value script plan, you may find that it's still not the cheapest because of the the drug copays that are charged. But it's one that I recommend people take a look at uh, to save money on drug plans. And then I uh, have a little article here that's kind of distressing, and it points up the fact that we want our doctors to be adequately 
compensated, even generously compensated, in order to keep them motivated. And sometimes monetary compensation can cover over a wealth of unpleasantness that might work to our disadvantage. Um, The headline of this article is, A quarter of U.S. medical students are considering quitting school, and most may not treat patients. Uh, This is according to a new survey. Health careers are meaningful and impactful, but can take a toll. Among the next generation of doctors, many are considering quitting medical school even before donning their long white coats. A quarter of all medical students in the United States might quit school. That's according to a new report uh, from Elsevier Health, which surveyed students to get their perspectives on education, career plans, and expectations for the future of healthcare. Adversity scores to boost medical school diversity. That's a question. Are adversity scores going to be boosting medical school diversity? It would ignore the patient's best interests, says expert. And I say that's true. I don't want the most diverse um, class of doctors to graduate from a medical school. I want the most skillful, the best doctors to graduate from that medical school class. I don't care about diversity. I care about level of skill. Uh, This um, Elsevier Health Clinician of the Future program was launched last year as one of the most expensive direct pulses of doctors and nurses' perspectives on the state of global health care. The 2023 Pulse survey released in September showed that the nursing shortages and clinician burnout are still the two dominant concerns for U.S. Uh, clinicians, especially since the uh, COVID panic, he added. Demands are too much for many students. The report stemmed from an online survey of about 2,200 students from 91 countries, which was conducted between April and May of this year. 23% of the students are considering dropping out of their undergraduate studies altogether. Another 58% of those remaining in medical programs may pursue careers outside of the direct patient care. Meanwhile, 54% of students have concerns about the toll that a medical or nursing career might take on their mental well-being. The expanding demands on students to learn basic medicine, do research, and learn cultural competency is too much for many students. Uh, The typical four-year curriculum of medical schools, uh, that's uh, too stressful for these students. I don't know if it is or not. All I know is that medical school has always been very challenging, and the the students who graduate and uh, eventually go into practice have uh, earned their stripes because it's not an easy course of action. The report confirms findings from past evidence-based studies which showed the high levels of distress, burnout, mental health concerns among doctors and medical students. Um, the uh, Let's see, this Dr. Martin Rubin, psychiatrist and course director of the popular wellness elective for medical and uh, students in Elk Grove, California, who reviewed the survey findings, agreed that many medical students are becoming overwhelmed. The expanding demands on students to learn basic medicine, do research, and learn cultural competency is too much for many students. I don't know what cultural competency is supposed to be, but that's the second time it's been mentioned in this article. Um, 54% of students have concerns about the toll that a medical or nursing career might take on their mental well-being. He said these schools are creating well-being leaders such as 
chief wellness officers to help foster a culture that sets students and physicians up for success and makes them feel valued. Feelings don't always lead to actions. Although many students have had second thoughts about their medical school careers, these feelings don't generally translate into action. And that's according to a uh, Ph.D. director of Transforming the Healthcare Workforce at the Association of the American Medical Colleges. Wow. AAMC data from a recent report shows that medical school graduation rates for non-dual degree MD students remained stable from academic year 1998 and 1999 through academic year 2017 to 2018. Six years after matriculation, the average graduation rate was 96% of non-dual degrees. From 2019 to 2023, only 8% to 10% of second-year medical students and graduates who responded to a national survey said they would not probably or would not consider attending medical school again if given the choice. Over 85% would probably or definitely attend again. Some roughly, uh, well, some roughly 5 to 10% responded with neutral. Many medical schools now implant wellness topics into their curriculum to promote students' well-being. These schools offer student support uh, services, including academic and career counseling, financial aid and debt counseling, and counseling for mental health and well-being. A fourth-year medical student in Northern California who did not wish to disclose his name or her name shared her experience with Fox News. After my internal medicine rotation before I did surgery, I was the most depressed I've ever been and absolutely considered dropping out. She said, once I found surgery, I became obsessed and I cannot imagine doing anything else. Now I am excited for my career. But once I found surgery, okay, so that's pretty enthusiastic. Another student who was in her second year of medical school in Northern California and also did not want to share her name offered a similar perspective. The topic of burnout, mental health, and finance, uh, finance has been brought up before in my friend circles. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. But none of them have ever expressed the idea of dropping out due to these concerns. I think I only know one classmate who is not interested in taking the traditional route. So these stats are surprising to me. Well, this was a badly edited article, but basically <clears throat> a lot of students are talking about uh, quitting medical school because of the stresses, but I think they've always been under stress, and it may be that the stress level now is no worse than it has been historically. That means it's another weeding out process that eventually the uh, students, the medical students of today, the best will float to the surface, the worst will wash away, and uh, so we can hopefully continue to have confidence in our uh, medical experts. At least uh, that's the way I see it and the way I want to have it continue is um, if they're stressed out in school, better to find out that they're not suited for the task now than to find out later when their uh, treatment of patients is on the line. So, Randy, I don't know. I never considered going to medical school because I, I had all the um, surgical intervention I needed for uh, myself when I was dissecting animals in uh, sophomore year of high school biology class. Was that around the time that your feet started to glow or was that earlier? Oh, I, I think my feet have always glowed. 
I know I don't know why they glow, but uh, well, we it, know, it didn't we have know any. Why, we know why they glow when they when you stuck your feet in the uh, the oh. box, you know, back when you were a kid to check yes. the size of your shoes. Yeah, whatever our, that, whatever it did. Our audience is probably too young to remember that shoe stores had X-ray machines, and yeah. the X-ray machines uh, you could stick your feet into the hole push the button and look down through like a periscope thing and, and see your bones of your feet and how well your new shoes were fitting. So yeah, that was, exactly. I, but, I, I totally remember that, but dissection of frogs and other animals was uh, not uh, an activity that I thoroughly enjoyed at all. No. So speaking of shoes, you know how I, I just absolutely dislike the term silver sneaker plans. Well, you hate the word. Is it the word silver or the word sneaker that's uh, worse for uh, you? Silver sneaker, I don't like. Okay. It's the combination of the two words. Yeah. So I came okay. up with it. Just just so you know, I came up with an alternative for that that I will accept. All right. What's that? Instead of silver sneaker, I want it to be called the shit kicker plan. Okay. Well, that's certainly not something we would promote on a family podcast such as this <laughs> one. But... <laughs> uh, but you know, those people that are taking advantage of silver sneakers, I'd say uh, call them shit kickers and see what they say about that. I'm yeah. not sure they'd like that. Uh, probably not. Probably not. So anyway, not today, but I've got a story that I'll someday I'll share with you about my personal physician and why this, uh, oh, I'm, I think this is too tough. I'm going to drop out of medical school flies in the face of my personal physician. I want to hear that story next episode. Okay, we will do that. So anyway, as you might know, our 75 cents is done. I I was not only painfully aware of that, <laughs> I I just can't find any extra money in the budget to uh, extend oh. that time. So we're so I think the alternative is we just need to talk quicker. All right, I'm going to try that and perhaps as the podcast engineer, you can actually speed up the recording of my I voice. I can. Order. I can I can I can speed it up as fast as you possibly want it, except I'm not sure anybody could understand it, but we'll try. Well, I don't know. They love the chipmunks. <laughs> I, so I, I would Alvin, say that maybe Alvin and the here's our new Alvin? podcast. Alvin. Okay. So anyway, let's go ahead and get this plane landed before we run out of fuel. Uh, so there's a few things I always like to cover before we sign off. And one of them is Doug loves to hear from you and you can reach out to Doug at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. That's dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Don't forget, Doug is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning and purchasing. Check us out at medicareforthelazyman.com. We would also appreciate it if you could find a place to give us a review. It's really important coming on the end of the year because without the numbers, we're just not as good as we want to be. You know, we want to be top 10, top five. I'd like to be the top one. So help us out with a review. We'd certainly appreciate it. Last but certainly not least, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us every day that you do. Because without you, it's not nearly as much fun as it is with you. And if you haven't checked out your watch, you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy originally from Oklahoma, now camped out in the high altitude ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona. And normally, 
normally he's out there on his deck watching for Medicare Advantage zombies. But today he's taking the day off and he's trying to live down the tryptophan high he was on from Turkey Day. So anyway, I'm going to cut it down to somewhere below 4,000 feet. What do you think? Uh, Oh, boy. The deep breath gives me new energy. Thank you, Randy. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. I'm going to look forward to uh, seeing your smiling faces on our next episode. Bye-bye.